You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. And welcome to another exciting episode of the Needless Things Podcast. I, I last episode, I promised you guys all sorts of seasonal delights. I think uh, last episode was Jim Stacy, which was great. I, I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you didn't listen to it, go check it out. I'm sure you can Google Jim Stacy and Needless Things and find it. Uh, of course, it's on NeedlessThingsSite.com. Or you can listen to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. I've got to get that in there every time because that's important to me. It's still a little odd to me that it's on iTunes because I'm not an I guy. Uh, that that just, I don't like their interface. Uh, I, I products intimidate me a little bit. The, the iPhone and the iPad and the iCult. And, and, and I know that's a little crazy to say. It's ridiculous because it's good technology. It works. It does what it's supposed to do. It's a little unreasonable that I would not want to use what is essentially the best in the market. But there's just something about that eye stuff, man. I don't know what it is, but, you know, it's my podcast and I'll put it on iTunes because that's probably the best medium to reach random people who aren't already familiar with NeedlessThingsSite.com. Today is time sensitive. If there were a way to grab everybody and say, look, you have to listen to this thing before Friday, I would do it because today's topic is Black Friday, but not Black Friday in the sense of going to Sears and getting a washing machine for $100 or going to Target and getting 800 socks for $12, which I I would actually do that. That would be great. I need socks and $12 for 800 socks, even if it's 400 pairs and not 800 pairs. That's that would be really good. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the record store day releases that are going to hit your local independent record store on Friday. That is this Friday, the 28th of November, 2014. For those of you who are listening, and the day has already passed, which I'm sure will happen. But I will tell you this, future people who have missed November the 28th, 2014, uh, this is still a great episode. You're still going to enjoy it. We talk about music. We talk about collecting music, quality of music, all kinds of different stuff. Uh, the, the focus isn't even necessarily, uh, the Black Friday record store day releases, but, uh, we definitely do discuss those and we, we hype it up because the whole point here is to get you to go to your local record store and buy some cool stuff this Friday. 
If you don't know, Record Store Day is an event that happens every April. It's about collecting music. It's very cool. You can go to recordstoreday.com and, and get all the details about it. Uh, we discuss a little bit about it today on the show. And it's it's to me, it kind of caught me up this year, and it's something I really wanted to talk about and get interested in. And I'll definitely do another episode next year for Record Store Day, for the official Record Store Day. But as, as an organization, Record Store Day does releases with all the various record labels, uh, special stuff for Black Friday. So you can go out, uh, you know, if, 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 don't go to the mall, uh, d- don't go to a big box store, go to your local independent record store and it's going to be crowded. It's probably their busiest day of the year, but it's not going to be a nightmare like it is, you know, going to Best Buy. You can go in and you're going to be hanging out with a bunch of cool people who are there to collect music. And I think that's awesome. And that's what got me interested and what got me excited about talk. Well, okay. Actually, what got me excited about talking about this is, uh, there are two, two releases that will be in your local independent record store this Friday. That's right. November 28th, this Friday. Uh, and that is the Guardians of the Galaxy awesome mix volume one, the soundtrack that we all love, that we all bought, will be available on cassette. That's right, on cassette. And I talk about it at the end of the show, but I, I wanted to, to make sure I got it in here as well. Uh, so that that's awesome. And this is the big news. This is the biggest news of the freaking decade, as far as I'm concerned, is Faith No More's new single will be available. Uh, it is called Motherfucker. That is the name of the song. And the B-side is a remix of Motherfucker by none other than J.G. Thurlwell, who, if you don't know, he's the guy that does all the music for Venture Brothers uh, and also does tons of other cool stuff. But I can't wait to hear this. I'm literally right now sitting on the edge of my seat, like shaking a little bit, just thinking about Because I've already heard Motherfucker, the regular version, uh, and it's very cool. And I wish I could put it on here for you guys, but it is not available in any form yet other than to just listen to online. But man, that, that remix, I can't wait to hear it. Uh, it's driving me crazy. Like I really, really want to hear it like immediately, but uh, I'll have to wait till Friday like everybody else. And that's Black Friday, November the 28th, 2014. If, if you haven't caught that already. So anyway, that's everything that's going on right now. And it's time to sit down with a fella named Joel who works at my local record store. Uh, I went in hoping to run into somebody who might be willing to come on the show to talk about what's going on, to talk about music, and to, to you know to get an hour episode out of. And Joel just happened to be there behind the counter, and I went in and I struck up a conversation with him because it's a, a local independent record store, and that's what happens in there. Uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine if I'd gone into a Best Buy to try and talk about you know not even Record Store Day because Best Buy does not participate because the the they are serious about this being independent record stores, so you can't go to Best Buy, you can't go to Fye, uh, and get any of this stuff. But I mean, I, you can't even go to Best Buy and ask where to find a cord for your iPhone, you know. Let alone find somebody who's going to be able to talk to you for an hour on a podcast. Uh, and 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 I trash Best Buy a lot on this episode, and they deserve it. I'm not going to lie; it's bad service, uh, it's bad selection. But uh, what are you going to do? 
I, I don't even have I don't even have anything to say. But you know what? Best Buy is really okay. I can't. They're terrible. They're a terrible store. Uh, I've never had a, a good experience in Best Buy other than maybe finding something for for a, a low price, like on sale, like a computer, maybe. But but that's it. It's it's really it's it's a terrible place. I'm sorry if if you if you're listening to this and you work at Best Buy, good for you. You're making money. You know you're 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 doing what you got to do to to bring home the bacon but man that place is really rotten anyway that's not what we're talking about today for the most part we're talking about music and uh collecting music and stuff and it's a really really awesome conversation uh joel works at the cd warehouse on pleasant hill road in duluth which is where i will be this friday picking up some records and stop by and talk to Joel or talk to any of the guys there. I've, I've talked to most of the guys that work there at some time or another. And it always ends up being a conversation. It's always a fun time. And I usually learn something new. And you're definitely going to learn stuff today because Joel is a smart guy. Joel knows a lot of stuff about music and, and is, is just fun to talk to. We had a good conversation. You're going to enjoy it. So here it is. Let's do it now. Well, how you doing, man? I'm great. I've had a uh, pretty pretty productive Monday, so that's about the all you can really ask for a uh, week of Thanksgiving, right? I would absolutely agree with that. I, the same here. I now have a new stereo in my car, and I'm feeling good about that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think I've had that feeling in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, uh, I, I, went, I had to get a new car, not because I wanted a new car, and the one I got had just a CD player, so like... I had my phone stuck to the dash playing podcast and music and everything else, and I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. And I, I don't think really uh, having just a CD player kind of cuts it anymore. I, uh, I, I have a, um, <clears throat> a cassette player in one of my cars. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> throwback, <laughs> right? But uh, I, I, lo- I actually love it because I just throw in a cassette converter into a, a, a jack and plug my iPod in there. Oh yeah, yeah. It sounds great, man. It convert converts that digital signal from my iPod into into a cassette, and it it comes out just just rocking as all hell. I don't I don't think a CD could really replicate that. Yeah, that's I used to do that uh, back when CDs first came out. I had one of the big square CD players. Uh, and I would, I had the little cassette adapter like that. Now, granted, I'm sure cassette adapter technology got better (laughs) (laughs) since then. I would hope so anyway. No, absolutely. If only (laughs) slightly, right? I, uh, I remember having to replace mine because I I think I used it for, gosh, three years or something, just uh, too much time and reading some reviews on trying to buy like a $10 replacement one and, Half of them were like, this doesn't work. This worked for two seconds. I'm getting one half of the stereo. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, the Japanese have been able to, you know, almost perfect everything. Home audio and home theater stuff. And, uh, they can't, they can't duplicate a cassette properly, but 
<laughs> you know. Well, we're uh, we're in a good place technologically now, at least as far as music is concerned. Which, of course, is what we're going to be talking about today is music. Uh, just, just so you know, uh, I do go by Phantom on the show, which is weird for some people, but you know, it's it's my gimmick. Absolutely. I mean, would you uh, prefer to be addressed as Mister or Doctor Phantom? <laughs> Phantom by itself is just fine. I I have no credentials. Believe me. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I won't. Uh, I won't dive into the uh, into giving you a, any more than a moniker of just Phantom. It's it's yeah. uh, simple, makes sense. Okay. No, no honorifics, and and of course you are Joel, who I met at my local record shop. Absolutely, it's uh nice to that, that. That's one of the perks of working at a record store is you you meet the nicest people, and they're they're people that are. Uh, wanting to be outgoing and tell you all types of things you know you feel sometimes like you're the bartender back there yeah yeah but it's, it's kind of more of a dialogue of, of musical uh situations versus you know i uh just lost my girlfriend right right exactly <laughs> well before we get any further i've got to ask you how was stevie oh uh, it was it was incredible i uh i came in with the loftiest of expectations which is uh, probably a little bit more of a flaw of mine just in general. But it's Stevie and, Wonder. I mean, oh, ab- come on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I've seen a pretty good amount of shows. I'm definitely not one of the ones that, that would have been going around seeing tours for 50 years. I'm, I'm not that old, but, uh, only the Rolling Stones were higher on my bucket list to, uh, to see, to scratch off, off that list of having to experience. And, uh, Stevie delivered a, pretty much upon the highest of expectations that anybody would have had i uh never in my wildest dreams would have imagined that he would still be as geniusly talented to say the least uh that he that he displayed um there was uh no shortage of personality he was uh very intimate with 40,000 people which you would think would be rather difficult to do sure but he, he, he made you feel when he was talking and, and just during, dur- in between the, the interludes of songs that he was just basically talking directly to you, like having a conversation. But, uh, musically wise, it was second to none. He rocked out organs and harmonicas and his voice, of course. And uh, India RE was there to, uh, help, uh, sing vocals with him oh, on nice, several tracks. Nice. Absolutely. So. I uh I couldn't have um really had a better time. It's just one of those situations where it's a truly a once in a lifetime experience and man uh songs in the key of life sounds about as good today and is is about as relevant today as uh, about any other R&B record you could think of. Nice. So um was that did he play it in its entirety? What what kind of show was it? Like deep cuts or, or hitting the hits, or was was it like an album show? Oh yeah, um, the the title of uh, the the tour it's the uh, songs in the key of life performances. Oh yes, yeah, and, and it was something he was only doing. I think about ten ten dates, ten major cities, and he he did uh, he split up the show in two major sets, and with each one he basically had about each side of the album, but he took. Not many people know that Songs in the Key Life was not only a double album, but it was a double album and an EP all in one. And he took the EP that is normally 
at the very end of the album, and he split it up and put a couple of the songs at the end of the first set and a couple of songs at the end of the second set. And then to uh, not be outdone, he had a very small encore at the very end, um, and he, he closed out the whole thing with Superstition, which just kind of got everybody oh. just popped up. So <laughs> I'm uh, glad I could share that with you because I, I don't want to go around bragging about it because I'm not – I'm not that type of a person. No, but dude, just... this is the place for it. This is the place for oh. it. Absolutely. I couldn't be more comfortable talking about Stevie Wonder than on a musical co- podcast, correct? Yeah, totally. So what? what's your, uh, before we get too deep into stuff, what is your history with music? Like what you, you, do you have a local record store growing up that put all the musical seeds into your head or what, what was your, have you, have you come to where you are now? <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's a little bit of an interesting story. Uh, I think a lot of children growing up, uh, and just for anybody in general, music is, is such a big part of their lives. And for me, um, while I'm originally from Detroit and all my, my family's from Detroit, um, my parents were really big, uh, because they were children of the sixties. They were baby boomers. Uh, they, they really loved Motown and, when I was growing up here in Atlanta, um, we listened to a lot of Motown and a now several years defunct radio station that used to play oldies. And, and for those Atlantans that are listening to this, everybody can remember Fox 97. Oh, yeah. um, good times, great oldies, Fox 97. So that that is what generally was being played while I was listening in the back seat of uh, my parents' mid 80s Plymouth Voyager growing up. My my cousin was actually their uh Sunday morning DJ. Well, he had a bunch of different spots over the years, but uh JJ Jackson, I don't know if you remember that name or not, but he sure. uh he he was one of their guys and and was right there up until the end. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, he uh really cool guy and he's definitely one of the people that that influenced my musical taste and and widened my uh my my genre selection out a little bit. Oh, absolutely, and and that's one of the the greatest things about music in general is just the um, uh, introspective and exploratory nature of it, where you can over the course of your lifetime uh, go through a number of different musical phases, a number of different taste changes, yeah. and uh, just the discovery aspect alone is uh, such such a gem to. Uh, I guess experience. Yeah, well, it is. It's beautiful because, you know, there, there's some stuff that will open your eyes on its own. Like when somebody does a co- actually perfect example, like the Red Hot Chili Peppers covering Higher Ground by Stevie Wonder. That's how I discovered Stevie Wonder. And, you know, wow. you know covers, okay. yeah, covers are an amazing way to, cause, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd heard Stevie before that, but it was one of those things where, you hear stuff on the radio, and it's it's way different from hearing an album. Oh, absolutely. Like, you hear pop yeah. tunes, and sometimes you don't even catch who does what songs. You know, as you get older, maybe you start picking that stuff up a little more. But, you know, as a kid, mm-hmm. I, once, once that cover led me to actually go investigate Stevie Wonder is when I started realizing, like, oh, my gosh, this guy is responsible for so many songs that I love. And, and that's, you know, that's one way to do it. And then you've got the guy that you meet that says, Hey, if you like this, check this out. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's very interesting when you when you might have a newer artist uh, cover something or an, an an older artist cover something that that was written more recently. Um, we can all remember Nine Inch Nails and Johnny Cash both doing Hurt, yeah. and uh, kind of how uh, entertaining and really great that that aspect was. Um, but to to your point for uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, that is just another fine example of, of not how music can cross boundaries, uh, you know, generationally, socially. And, uh, man, it, it's, uh, definitely one of, one of my favorites. Yeah. That was, uh, that was one way that I started to get into a little more of the R and B than I had previously been. And then, of course, uh, movie soundtracks are another great way to find new stuff because Pulp Fiction, I mean, that well any Tarantino movie is going to open your eyes to a lot of different stuff but you know pulp fiction uh that's that's where i started listening to like cool in the gang i mean you know there there oh, there's yeah. so many different ways to find different forms of music different bands that you maybe hadn't checked out before and that is not a bad segue to go into record store day i think Oh, that's a perfect segue. So, okay, here's, let's start with kind of what I know about it, which is very tiny amount, and you can fill me in. Uh, earlier this year, thanks to the social media, and I'm sure I'd noticed it before because I, I have found out it's been around for several years now, but this mm -hmm. was the first year where social media really brought it to my attention. I think it was back in April. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. People were posting, check out what I scored today, record store day, look at this, check it out. And I'm like, what is all this stuff? Like, I, I didn't, I obviously <laughs> something was going on. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, the comic book industry has free comic book day, which is a yeah. similar device done in a different way. And I just kind of picked up that, that something like that was going on. It was obviously intended to get people out to independent record stores. And, you know, you're sitting there looking at it, and I'm like, well, I missed this one. I'm not going to miss the next one. And then came around to, now, what's in November is not Free Record Store Day, but it is Black Friday, Free Record Store Day. There are releases that are significant yes. to it. We'll get to that. Mm. First, tell me about... Tell, give me your your view. What is Record Store Day? Uh, well, to me, it's um, it, it's basically a holiday for independent record stores for the the idea of purchasing music and getting your supply of music from these independent record stores, and really just to celebrate music uh, in general. Um, it's Definitely a uh, a great uh, experience to take part of. There's a lot of, of hype, like you said, a lot of uh, sharing and social media going back and forth. And while that kind of exploded a little bit in more recent record store days, it's, uh, it is uh, worldwide, it's international. A lot of it does take place in the U.S. and Canada. Um, but it's basically a day to acknowledge that, hey, look, the, this industry has been slowly dying, and we're trying to revive it. And in a day and age, especially of uh, digital technology and streaming service and streaming apps and really just a dozen other ways to, to consume music, um, there really is a unique aspect of going to uh, a small shop 
owned by one or two guys and holding and buying uh, a vinyl or CD record, but, you know, CDs a little bit later, but vinyl record in your hands and being able to go home and play that. Well, and I still, I still need that. That's still important to me to be able to hold a product in my hand. Uh, I, I have over the last couple of years gotten to the point where sometimes for convenience sake, I'll download something, but it really depends on what it is. If it, if it's one of my favorite bands, like, I, I need the product like Mastodon Mastodon <laughs> and Weird Al both had albums out this year and I had to buy them like I had to go buy the CD I, I couldn't no. I couldn't download yeah. those no absolutely and uh, that, that's great that you mentioned that Phantom because I actually have the same kind of sentiment and um, you know I want to experience what the artist originally intended you to experience and what that means is you 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 get to have have it in your hands. You get to see the artwork the way that they wanted to design yeah. it. You get you get the liner notes. You get the thank yous. You get the the full set of lyrics and everything that they they really wanted. And that's kind of what what really what it's all about. And I think in a uh, you know from the fifties sixties on up, there's been a, a definitely a trend of commercialization. And, uh, just the music industry in general, trying to strip away a lot of times the messages that the artists originally had in mind. Well, and the, just the integrity of, of the art, not even just of music, but of distributing music. Cause like you said, you know, the artists want the, the booklet to look, look a certain way. They've got a certain picture on the disc. There's, you know, the case even is designed, whether it's got a clear back or a black back or whatever's done. Like there, there's a lot to that, that CD or album or whatever it is that you go to the store to buy that to me is part of the experience of that album. Oh yeah, and you you just touched that at the at the end there. The the experience is the most important aspect of it, and it's hard to do that sometimes if you're you can't really get the full experience, in my opinion. If you're getting a, a digital version of it from iTunes, and it might be at a a lower default bit rate that you downloaded it, and you might just get a small little tiny cute picture of what the album was supposed to look like, and uh, somewhat of a of a maybe compromised uh, amount of data that you're listening to isn't really to the uh, fullest extent of, of, of what the artist wanted. So the experience of holding it in your hand, getting to, to, to enjoy it as a, as a full piece of not only just music, but in many circumstances, art as well, is uh, something that most of the time people are lacking. And it's, it's interesting because... You know, that having that in-hand experience is a big part of it. And when you go to the store, you get to talk to the guy who says, oh, yeah, you're picking that up. Well, hey, this is coming out, you know, next week. Or if you like that, there's this other thing over here that you might want to check out, like that interpersonal conversation, you know, what we're doing right now, really. You don't get that when you go to the Amazon store and download a, a, a CD, or why well, you obviously you're not download, downloading a CD, but uh, when you when you download yeah. something from Amazon, you're you're not only missing out on that conversation, but that guy that has that job somewhere, uh, you know, you you just kind of took a little nick out of his job. Oh no! Oh no! Absolutely, 
And um, it's not just uh, per se, just also a, a nick out of you know, in my experience, in my job or whatnot. But um, you know, these independent record stores have pretty low margins. You know, a lot of times, you know, when you think of the music industry and when where all the slices of the pies go, etc. You know, we're we're getting a lot of the merchandise from uh, dealers that are kind of uh, distributors, and our markups are really mm-hmm. slim. And, uh, you know, part of the whole record store day experience is, you know, to support these small independent businesses that are still providing this awesome experience and service for you. And if everybody just went out and, oh, convenient, I don't want to have to drive to the store or I just want to download it, um, you know, uh, the whole idea and experience of it all could slowly dwindle away. And then when that happens, you know, people have to raise prices and then you might be paying more for going down and buying that vinyl record when you really want to. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing to think about the margins. Uh, I, I worked in retail for a decade and a half and mm-hmm. I know on new product, there's, there's no margin. And when you're talking, when you're looking at going to the independent guy versus say Best Buy or somewhere, Best Buy is losing money on that stuff mm-hmm. anyway. They're, they're not. They're, oh, they're, yeah. Those are lost leaders to get people into the store so they can buy washing machines. They they don't care about music. Uh, they they they. I mean, you can you can go in and look at their CD section and tell that they don't care about music. When when you can walk into <laughs> yeah. a store and they don't have a single Stooges album, they don't give a shit about music. Oh, no. That's just oh, no, a fact. Um. Mm-hmm. So you know, go go to your if you if you can find a local store, go to the local store, man, because you you know, yeah, maybe you're gonna pay a dollar more for your album, but you're helping somebody who cares about what you're doing stay in business. That that's always <laughs> been very important to me, uh, and and that comes from growing up and having a local store, you know, full of nice, knowledgeable guys who were good at recommending music to people. You know, they, these guys wouldn't just recommend, like, if one of them was into Zeppelin, if he knows you're not going to be into Zeppelin, that's not what he's going to push on you. He's going to look at what you're buying, and he's going to know what to recommend. Did Did you have a, a store like that growing up? Um, I wish I had more, more of a store like that growing up. Um... There was a few other, there was a few chains around me, um, where, where I was getting written music when I was first started to purchase, uh, CDs was, I guess, my, uh, medium of, uh, popularity growing up. And, uh, there was a Turtles around this, around the block from me, a couple blocks oh, away. Yeah. 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 If you remember those guys. And, uh, they actually had vinyl for a time too. And, uh, my dad and I, he would give me my allowance. We'd go up there. I would almost, I mean, not, I guess, just to make an aside here, since we're all discussing yeah, yeah. this, that's another that's another great feature of of just going into record stores. Is you know you might not have a, a great budget that day, um, but it's just great to browse around and just look for new stuff. Just look for interesting things that you would never stumble upon online. Um, but yeah, it was it was uh, turtles. And uh, then of course, uh, as I guess most areas when they become developed, uh, a big big blue box store comes in called yeah. Best Buy. And, uh, you know, uh, my allowance, I think I might have had to work for two weeks to get enough chores to purchase a, a CD that they cost back then. But um, <laughs> unfortunately, I didn't have a, a super low market uh, record store or CD store. I did have 
a, uh, a a video store that was independently run around the corner from me, and, and you best believe I was much rather be walking in there than uh, going to a blockbuster. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that that was another. That's a whole other podcast, man. The era of the video store and VHS <laughs> and everything else. Um, I actually worked for Warehouse Music uh, years ago, and they stuck mm-hmm. me in at one point in their store in Chambly, which had never been converted over from being a Turtles. Wow. So it still wow. had all the beige Turtles bins <laughs> and the wood grain everywhere. And, man, that was nostalgic going into that place, remembering the tokens and the stamps and everything else. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. You could remember those. Uh, they would put this when they're really trying to move it. It would be like a Turtles Super yeah. Buy, and they would have the, the sticker in the corner there and – you knew that uh, it might not be the best best thing to purchase if they had a super buy. But on it. if you'd only done one week's worth of chores, you might be going home with a super buy just to have something. <laughs> oh, absolutely, and uh, no, and, and it's crazy sometimes. Um, there's definitely not a direct relationship with how much of a, like the quality of, of a musical uh, album or something might be versus what you pay for it. Because the amount of you know great music that I listen to on a daily basis, it would cost me a small fortune. And uh, just to segue into that, you'll never know. I actually the first time I discovered uh, Steely Dan was I picked up a copy of Asia for a dollar um, in Atlanta at a record store there, and uh, that that one dollar changed my life. And it, it's still probably one of the greatest buys I've ever made because. That album to me is fantastic and it, it kind of definitely got me into Steely Dan and, and just some other influences that have, uh, I guess still influence what my musical tastes are today. What, what are your tastes? What kind of stuff do you, do you get into? I've, I've tried the Steely Dan. I understand mm-hmm. what's going on there and I respect it. Um, it's, it's not my thing and I feel kind of, it's one of those things where I'm a little, I'm a little <laughs> ashamed of myself for not being able to appreciate it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know the, the the slight bit of guilt that you're feeling is 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 torture enough, I suppose, for missing out on it. But uh, it should, it truth be told, it should be a, a capital crime to uh, not like the Dan. Um, I've and, heard that sentiment are, before. Believe me. Yeah, and there's uh, there, there's many people that that have uh, committed the same act as you, so I wouldn't feel. Uh, singled out or, or feel that you're in a, a, a singular position there because um, it, they they are in my opinion one of the most uh, underrated groups. But uh, to answer your question, um, it, it's pretty it's pretty over the spectrum. I think in in my time I originally um, uh, listened to a lot of, of '60s stuff uh, to start off with. So I kind of started with the Beatles. Uh, my best friend growing up, him and his parents loved the Beatles and they had them all on vinyl. And when I'd go over to his house to, to play and to hang out, uh, his dad would be, you know, spinning, um, another one of the records and he would tell me all about them. And, you know, from there it kind of went on to, um, the classic rock phase. I think every 15 year old or 13 year old, uh, guy goes through where they, you know, get into, uh, the Allman Brothers and, and Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and The Who and, and Jethro Tull and, and all these kind of groups. Um, but, uh, besides that, I, I listened to a, a lot of Radiohead and a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers and, uh, I'm a huge jazz fan as well. So, uh, 
when it comes to, you know, whether it's uh, the King of Miles Davis or, you know, some guys that are a little bit more obscure on Blue Note, uh, like Horace Silver or Wayne Shorter, I, I really enjoy their, um, jazz compositions now, as well. Jazz, I can appreciate. I can't claim I, I don't have a big jazz collection sitting around anywhere, but, I I have been sat down and I have had jazz played to me and it blows my mind. I don't like those guys are 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 painting with music freestyle and I I don't even understand what's going on. Like that's something I can sit down and enjoy it. Now smooth jazz is a different story. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I I, I can't no. get behind no. smooth jazz either, no. Phantom. I'm, I'm sorry. There's there there's something just. Uh, terribly wrong with that genre and i guess it's like a lot of genres once once we get into the the 2000s and 2000s and 10s and all that uh you can throw a few of those things out the window as far as our artistic greatness no, is concerned kidding. oh man you're not kidding um but yeah jazz jazz blows my mind like when i'm exposed to it it's always a, a really almost like trippy type of thing it's it's wild oh uh, yeah absolutely it definitely is kind of one of those things that um you have to find an, an accessible door to get through to, to start enjoying it. And, um, you know, for me, the starting point was probably the, still the, the peak of, of all of jazz, which is Miles Davis's kind of blue. And my, uh, I mean, here's just a small little aside. My, my, uh, former economics teacher in high school was listening to this in a trailer classroom. And, uh, he, uh, asked him what, the, what, what is that? And he goes, well, this is kind of blue. It's John Coltrane playing saxophone right now. You should check it out. And, and I, I went and, uh, used my allowance money, so to speak, and, and purchased it. And, um, you know, from then on out, it's been a, a great experience to explore. And, um, but I'm, I'm still in your boat, Phantom, in the fact that, uh, it's, um, limited time periods that I can really grasp hold of. Yeah. And, Anytime you start involving fusion or smooth jazz or some of these other genres, I I, I still still don't understand it. So <laughs> to each his own, you it's, know. It's just one of the, it's one. It's so big. Uh, it, it's such a a massive genre. It seems like with, with a really wide range of styles, but it, it's it's kind of tough to get a handle on it. Like and and like you said, you've got to find that one thing that's like, okay, this is where I can start from. And then you find, you know, well, John Coltrane played here. Let me go check out Coltrane stuff. Let me, you know, you you kind of have to branch out from one central thing that you can hang on to. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, and, and and I guess the other interesting thing about it is kind of like you said, as far as you know, uh, you know, one side man might have done some work on one guy's record and. Then he went on to become his own leader and have, you know, have his own releases. And just the whole culture of jazz to me is very interesting in, in, in that aspect of things of not only was it done in a culture and time period where segregation was still there, where artists, uh, you know, didn't have the notoriety or, um, success even financially that some of their, uh, you know, white or rock and roll counterparts were experiencing. So uh, it's just a, a really, really wonderful thing. And maybe another starting point for those that are listening, uh, Ken Burns has did a wonderful documentary just titled Jazz, and I believe it's an eight- or ten-part series. And that might be a little bit something to, to get your feet wet and get kind of a broad spectrum of the genre as a whole. 
and maybe from viewing some of that, you might be able to uh, dabble a little bit or uh, find your way into the uh, the jazz door. Well, and if if libraries, it, it's been a while since I've been to the public library, but they used to carry uh, CDs. And mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. accompanying soundtrack to the Ken Burns Jazz uh, series, you you can pick up CDs, and they have an incredible array. It, it's a lot to get through, but again, you can probably find one name and be like, okay, I'll check this one out and move on from there. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I guess to to reconnect back to Record Store Day, uh, one of the more uh, I guess famous jazz labels is Blue Note Records. Um, they've been around since the 50s. Rudy Van Gelder was one of their uh, producers, and he he recorded some of the most wonderful works of uh, the jazz pantheon. And um, a lot of mainstream artists like John Coltrane and Miles Davis that I had already previously mentioned. Um, but uh, a number of successful artists, and how they've connected with Record Store Day is they have uh, a limited... Uh, I guess participation membership of these independent record stores. And if you're a part of that membership, they release special edition versions of their albums or, or maybe even some more uh, deep cut, you know, uh, 12 inch releases um, to the, uh, the members of these record stores. And it's not just on black Friday, um, you know, this week or record store day in April, but they come out with these releases throughout the year on a monthly basis. So if you're a jazz fan, uh, that's a great way to reconnect and get some, some of the, some of the goods year round. Well, and I noticed Blue Note has, uh, actually a Miles Davis release that's going to be available, uh, on Black Friday. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, th- I think you might have two this time around. And, uh, and that's just a, another great aspect of this, uh, holiday of sorts, uh, <laughs> As it is because, you know, artists that, that have been passed, their legacies keep getting re, respawned with newer releases. The Beatles have been a great part of Record Store Day. I guess their foundation or, uh, you know, EMI Records or whoever, I guess, owns the, the rights to them now is, is being gracious enough to, uh, grant us, you know, a new, uh, single or collectible. And if you're one of those guys that's, you know, been listening to the Beatles since the sixties and you've been collecting vinyl forever. This is something that I know you don't have because it is not officially released worldwide and it's only maybe a thousand copies this coming Friday. Yeah, that's, let's, okay, before we get into record store day, we have to, we have <laughs> to discuss, I am not an audiophile. In my mm-hmm. lifetime, I have heard eight tracks, cassettes, records, CDs, digital music, and while I can certainly detect differences in all of those things, I'd be mm-hmm. hard-pressed to tell you which one is is more legitimate sound quality-wise as far as having as mm-hmm. far as having the smallest barrier between what the artist did and the product you're listening to. What what is your opinion on that? Okay, that's a that's a great way of phrasing that. By the way, Phantom, I'll have to. I'm not trying to be obsequious tonight to you, but <laughs> <laughs> I I will never <laughs> complain about that. 
<laughs> I did think that was a, a great way of, of uh, explaining it. Um, and then, uh, you know, segueing that into a question. Um, well, I, I am in your boat as well. I am not a, a seasoned or uh, super knowledgeable audiophile. While I have some knowledge and have tried to uh, get get my hands wet, so to speak, into the whole um, it's it's, it's I don't want to say cult because that just gives a bad connotation. But uh, <laughs> you know, if if, if you're a, a hardcore audiophile. Um, you know, you are in a very, very deep hole. You are way down. And, uh, that, that's great, you know. Um, but in my opinion, uh, I think there's a couple different ways of doing it. Um, you know, these 180 gram new vinyls that have been released, uh, and that for the last couple years and that continue to be released either, um, you know, as a more of a special purchase. Uh, for even new artists, you know, Black Keys, Jack White, a lot of these artists love to have a special vinyl release for their audiophile fans. And, and, and that right now, if you have a well put together, uh, system, you know, which, which, you know, would include, uh, a tube amplifier to, to power it and, uh, a nice, nice, uh, uh record player with a, a nice spindle and needle on it. Um, and maybe if you're really lucky enough and maybe a part of the one percenters, I don't know how many one percenters listen to your podcast, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine any do. <laughs> well, this is just a, uh, an act of futility then, but, um, a, a quadraphonic <laughs> setup with, with what I just described would, would basically be the absolute pinnacle, uh, truly, truly wanted you to listen to. Well, maybe not. There might be some, small flaws that you can hear on that kind of a system and never ever get on a cd um but that that's the that's the upper echelon so to speak i think that from there if you don't have a great remastered system uh, you know fully set up etc um uh, a standard clean um a clean record with with a clean speakers or a compact disc is probably going to be the best way to go and hopefully that CD, if you are listening to CDs, it has been remastered by the artist at some point. And nowadays, if it's the CD's more than 15, 20 years old, there's a really good chance it's been remastered. And uh, that also being said, I think another way to really experience everything is to really go out and purchase a, a solid, solid pair of headphones, um, getting both sides of the stereo uh, mixed the way that it was supposed to be, uh, and, and immerse yourself with some some nice big cans around your head is is definitely the way that I, I like to uh, and listen to music. It's interesting that uh, you mentioned the remastering because I, I was I, recently I kind of had an encounter with this. Uh, well, within the past few years, I was shocked to see that the Beastie Boys were releasing remastered versions of <laughs> their albums, <laughs> and Absolutely. I. I it, it kind of boggled my mind a little bit. It seemed, uh, you know, they're they're not that old. How necessary could this really be? <laughs> well, that 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 brings us some other questions of uh, introspection yourself. Of well, maybe, well, how old am I? Is kind of a, a thing you might have. To get. <laughs> oh, gosh, you're not kidding. When uh, in 2006, mm-hmm. when License to Ill became 20 years old. That was 
that was the first moment, like when it hit me that it was 20 years old and that that album had come out when I was 11, I was just like, Oh crap. This is the first, that's the first time I really felt old. And I don't generally, uh, I'm, I'm 38 now. I don't generally walk around feeling old or crotchety or, or, or aged or anything. Okay, good. But I was going to say, <laughs> but man, albums like, Albums, music, <clears throat> I, I, and this is an interest. Another interesting thing about music, it's such a, a history book of your life. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, hearing that song that you heard that day in high school when your girlfriend just dumped you, or you know that that's powerful stuff, man. When when that song hits and all those emotions come back, there there is nothing else that can do that like music does. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you you hit the nail right on the head there. And, you know, you might want to even edit that clip that you just stated, and you could probably pitch that to Time Life. <laughs> really, maybe maybe get get a little bit of royalties on your hands because that's, that, that is really flawless how they do it. But, no, it, it is totally true. I um, And it's interesting you mentioned the, the Beastie Boys there because, for me, um, the, this, this past summer I went and saw uh, – the Soundgarden and Nine Inch Nails collectively doing I, a tour. I was there. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you can, you know, totally remember part of that tour was it was the 20, 20 year anniversary of, uh, Su- Super Unknown. And, um, for Nine Inch Nails, I think it was Downward Spiral. And, and both those were yeah. released on the same day in, 19, in 1994. And, uh, that made me feel a little bit nostalgic for sure. Um, I mean, I, I Love Soundgarden so much. I probably could do a whole podcast on them myself. If if you ever you know want to set one up and call me back, that would be great. But uh, you, you and you and my wife could take that one. I would have to do nine Nine Inch Nails was my preference of of the two. Although I I love Soundgarden, mm-hmm. uh, but they are my wife's favorite band of all time. Oh, um, what, what's your wife's name? Uh, her name, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Settle down. Uh, but no, seriously, it's. Uh, it's funny because she likes them so much that she critiqued their set at that show. Wow. Because she, she had seen them at the Tabernacle, uh, the, I think it was last year. It was the year before because I was also at that show. That was for their, uh, their tour of their, of their new album that came yeah. out, uh, the year before. And, uh, yeah, I, so I, I did the same thing. My brother was with me for both shows. So uh, we we kind of did the critiquing back and forth of you know uh, between each one and uh, either way it was just an an exercise in awesomeness in my opinion. Yeah, it was still a fantastic show, and, and man, that Nine Inch Nails is one of the most impressive live shows I've seen. The way that they were moving those panels around and the the switching between oh. Having the full band and having the low key stuff and then have, I mean, that, that was visually just incredible. Oh, absolutely. That, that was definitely one of the, the, the better rock shows I've ever been to. And they, they both were incredible. But, uh, as far as the, the stage theatrics go and the light show and, and, and you're right, switching between bands and, and just even Trent there by himself on stage. It, that, that was fantastic. Uh, but just to, comment there on on the what you said a few minutes ago as well is you are absolutely right in in, in the fact that 
you know, psychologically, you know, as people grow up and as we experience life, uh, there are definitely time stamped, uh, memories in, in our minds of, of different events and experiences we had and, and behaviors we we're doing. And with each one of those, you know, uh, there is such a high chance of having certain types of music being imprinted with those memories. And as you go along, if you do go back and hear something that you might have been dating a chick in high school with and, and it comes on the radio, you really do get flooded with all those kind of memories and uh, feelings and emotions that you had. It's it's basically like a time capsule whenever you want to. Yeah, that that's absolutely right. So what we're going to be wanting to experience emotionally on Friday mm-hmm. is a trip down Nostalgia Lane to the record store to buy actual records. Oh, yeah. Which, which is, it's, that's, that's an important thing here is that 99% of these releases are literally records. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not just a clever name, Record Store Day. <laughs> yeah. And as you mentioned, these are high quality, uh, uh, what'd you say? 100 and what gram? Oh yeah. 180 grams is, uh, mo- most of, of the new ones that are done. And, uh, all the, these are, <laughs> these are not the, like cheap wibble wobble records from the seventies that your parents had that you dug through. These are a whole different thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. And they are completely unique. Uh, there's no duplicates here. So one artist that released a 12 inch colored vinyl, one record store day is not going to have the same one that he's just going to try to pawn off. These are all in very limited numbers. So, the exclusivity factor is there and the artists are really doing this for their, the fans uh, of their music and to support the, the industry as a whole. There really isn't a downside to, to any of this. It's all win, win, win across the line. And I got to tell you, you know, the day after saying your thanks and, and having all the family time and Turkey and stuff, you know, there's going to be a, a lot less crowds than going to the big box store to buy Chinese made stuff or who knows what, but something truly unique that not only can you get something for yourself, but to also either buy a duplicate copy or get something completely new and unique for the, the record store lover that's on your wish list because that to me is a, is a great, great unique gift that they would likely never be able to ever get on their own or maybe never be able to have the opportunity to purchase themselves. So if you're really looking for that hard to buy like a gift for the, the vinyl record lover, um, that this is definitely a win-win for it. Well, and what's cool is it's right in that gift price range too, because the average, now obviously it varies, you know, for, for box sets and things, the price gets up there, but it looked like the average price was right around 20, 25 bucks, which, you know, that's great, especially oh. as a gift. I mean, that, that's, you're, you're getting this fantastic collectible and these things are incredibly collectible because like I'm looking at the numbers and the highest pressing number that I see here is eight thousand. Yep, yep. And most and think of those, about that. Oh yeah, in in the world, in the world. Yep, eight thousand, and that's on the high end. You might have a few in the the seven, eight thousand, five thousand range, but I, I've seen so many of these releases that are in the one thousand, 
fifty. There's one for four fifty. Yeah, four hundred and fifty copies. That's four, it. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like I said before, that exclusivity thing is just so cool and unique. Of you can really have a, a, a treasure that the artist wanted to, to almost give to you as a, as a gift from them, and something that you can pull out, especially if you ever have the the rooter friend collector person that has everything you can definitely pull that out off your shelf one time and hand it to them and be like i know you do not have this so if you want to get your braggadocious on that's definitely another way to go and there's you know beside just the coolness of buying a a nice high quality vinyl version of one of your favorite albums uh there's also gimmicky stuff like one of the ones I'm interested in is Flood, uh, which mm-hmm. hasn't been released on. They might be Giants Flood hasn't been on vinyl since 1990, and they're doing 2,900 copies are translucent green, and 100 randomly distributed copies are yellow. Wow! And they're doing that with uh, Fishbones, <laughs> Truth and Soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are several different releases that are, they're doing little split ups like that where a certain number of them are going to be a different color vinyl. I think, uh, Dead Milkman, Big Lizard in My, Big Lizard in My Backyard is another one that's, that's getting that mm-hmm. treatment. So there, there are all kinds of cool, fun things. You know, you, you go on and, and you can go to recordstoreday.com. They've got, uh, a, a list that I've noticed has been updated many times over the past couple of weeks. Like they're constantly adding stuff and adjusting numbers on this thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you can go in there, you know, go in there Thanksgiving, go in there Thursday night and make your list and go to your local record store. Now you guys don't even know what you're going to have Friday. Yep. 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 That, that is absolutely true. Um, the record store day, I guess part, part of the, the, the whole fun of Christmas morning, so to speak, is they, uh, they, they will not, um, release what you are getting. Um, basically how the process works is the record stores, uh, about a month and a half or so before, before the releases happen, they put in their individual orders of what they would like to receive. Right. Um, from there, uh, you know, I don't know the whole process behind the scenes of, of how they are able to split it up. If it's the first come first serve or they at least try to give as many people that applied for a copy as they can. Um, but they'll, they'll take the whole list and, and try to break it down the best they can to get, to give you what you want. But there are no guarantees. And most of the time you, you will, you don't get everything that you put your order in for, but it's a very, very hush hush surprise surprise kind of thing and um it really is like a a a sort of what what's what did santa bring you this year uh did you get this did you get two copies of that it's really unique how they do that well and i i'm looking here uh, yet another gimmicky thing and i love this uh african bombada and the soul sonic force planet rock is one of the releases on 12 inch colored vinyl the edition number Mm -hmm. is 1982 Wow. How cool is that? Wow, the year, the year yeah. of release. Absolutely. That is a, a very cool thing. And, and that's just, just goes into play of, of how cool this thing is in, in general. Of just, it's just a very unique way of being able to support independent businesses to be able for each artist to kind of put their own little spin of, ooh, we want to do this special thing. And I've even heard that the artists themselves um, several of, of, uh, more, uh, classical artists like, uh, Neil Young and, um, 
uh, well, I already mentioned a few, but their foundations, they're, they're kind of doing a, a one up back and forth, back and forth. How, how special can you, can you make yours? Or I've never, uh, I've never recorded this or never released this recording before. And that's a lot of times what they do is maybe pull some stuff out of the archives, clean it up a little bit and release it on this special thing. And man, that is just so cool to, to kind of find something from the basement. And, and that's really the, the bottom line is to get out and find some cool stuff like that. And I'm uh, just looking at this list. Anybody listening to this will be able to go to their local record store and find something cool that they want. The, the list of artists varies everything from Metallica to Wu Tang to Jerry Lewis <laughs> to Waylon Jennings to, I mean, it's, it's really, uh, anybody that you know there's some artist that they're going to dig. Run DMC is putting out a special edition of Christmas and Hollis, which is a seasonal, you know, <laughs> uh, what what could be better than that? No, absolutely. It it really is just a full across-the-board spectrum. You, you already mentioned Dead Milkman. Uh, you know, there's uh, Flaming Lips. Uh, Government Mule is releasing a really, really interesting um, 12-inch vinyl of a live performance they did doing Rolling Stones covers. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully not giving too much publicity, but that's definitely, uh, one on my list that I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be trying to get myself. Um, <laughs> but you are absolutely right from, from Billy Holiday to Wu Tang Clan and about everything in between. Yeah, absolutely. And there are two, but before we wrap it up, mm-hmm. I have to mention two specific releases. One I'm mentioning for the sake of sort of the mainstream populace mm-hmm. uh back when Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome Mix Volume 1 was released as a soundtrack for the movie mm-hmm. I said they should put that out on cassette as like a Comic-Con exclusive or something I would totally buy it just to have it I now granted I've still got a dual cassette deck sitting here in my stereo system i could oh, play it it's perfect but just <laughs> just to have that cassette would be awesome and sure enough on black friday they are releasing the guardians of the galaxy awesome mix on cassette yes. that's crazy oh. and that's i mean it doesn't get more mainstream than that everybody bought that soundtrack even if you already have every single song on it the mix is beautiful. Oh, absolutely. And that is, uh, to me, one of the most, uh, coolest, unique things, um, from this particular Black Friday record store day. And, um, I know for a fact that CD Warehouse wanted to get one of those. Remember, I can't legally say over the air if we're going to have that or not. We have no idea. Yeah, absolutely. But I definitely, helped the owner when we were, we were going through of what we were going to order he he definitely made sure to, to try to get one of those or at least a few to satisfy uh the, our local populace it would be worth checking is what you're saying absolutely and uh while, while we are about to wrap it up you know i did want to say uh i appreciate you having me on you know make sure that i kind of uh, get my thank yous in and uh if you Thanks are Thanks and plugs, get them in, man. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh if 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 all this uh was something that really kind of clicked with you and you said, "Yes, I want to check this out, experience it." Even if you don't have a record player, even if you don't know much about vinyl, 
this is an awesome way to come see what this is all about um, and, and really try to, to get back in and, and, and really dig it. I know a lot of people listening probably had record players at one point in time and they you know, p- passed them up for for other things, but um, it really is a great way to get started. And uh, for those that are in the Atlanta metro area, uh, CD Warehouse, uh, in Duluth, and, and in Roswell, and in Alpharetta, we have three locations. We have a couple thousand pieces of vinyl at each lo- location, and uh, you just might find that really awesome Christmas gift on Friday if you show up at our stores. We open at 10 a.m. Be there. Yeah, you've even, even not considering the record store day stuff, you guys have full selections of vinyl there, just, just regular stuff to browse through. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and it really is a first come, first serve basis on these record store day releases. So there's no, uh, call ahead and put this on hold or whatnot. So, um, there, there usually is a, a decent line there when we open. And if you're really wanting to get something and you happen to miss out, I guarantee you there's another gem in the racks waiting for you that might even have a super buy sticker on it that uh, could change your life musically. Well, awesome. Uh, I will definitely be going out to CD Warehouse in Duluth on Friday. Uh, I want to see what you guys have. Hopefully I can uh, pick up a copy of Faith No More's new single, Motherfucker, which I heard the other night, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. It's so good. <laughs> uh, but my, my favorite band of all time. But, Joel, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. I had a great time talking to you. Do uh, you feel like we covered it all? Oh, yeah. I think that we, we, we did a very good job of, of getting through through it for sure. I wanted to thank you again for having me on, Phantom. It was a wonderful pleasure. And if uh, you ever want to cut it up again on this podcast, you you have my number, and uh, we'll see you on Friday. Yeah, definitely, dude. Thanks so much, man. Take it easy. Go see Joel on Friday. Go see the new guy. I'm going to call him the new guy because I'm going to have Joel back on because that was great. That was really a good time. I'm going to add him to the, the Rolodex of Needless Things contributors. <laughs> you don't know what you've gotten yourself into, buddy. That was cool, right? Go to recordstoreday.com. Either print up their PDF or save it in your phone or do whatever you got to do. See what's going to be available. There's tons of stuff. I was totally serious when I said anybody is going to be able to go to a record store day on Friday and find at least one cool thing or a gift or whatever. Yeah, man, records are good gifts. And for 20 25 bucks, like, that's cool. You're going to surprise somebody. And uh, you can get a pretty decent turntable for not a whole lot of money now. So it's not a bad hobby to get into if you're into music. It's it's. I, I need to start a new crate, man. I lost all my stuff in a flood. 2009 and uh the the worst is i lost an autographed wesley willis record that bummed me out man that really got me so that's it for today check back in i don't know if it'll be next week or the week after i'm i know i'm erratic but i give you guys as much of this stuff as i can give you uh next time great atlanta toy convention i'm going to be talking to some folks involved with that it's really cool But for now, 
get out to your independent record store. Even if it's not Friday, even if it's, you know, you missed Black Friday, just get out and buy some music. Talk to some dudes. Talk to some ladies about music. Go out and support independent business, man. We got to do it because Best Buy is evil. Fuck Best Buy. Love you guys, though. Later. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.